0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You know, I went back and forth leading into today's show trying to figure out well, should we break down the next picks? From the mock draft of a couple weeks ago, would that really be the move? Especially when I don't even truly remember where we left off. And as I scrolled through the news of the day, I thought, no, we need to do something different. I'm going to call it special because I think it's going to be a little bit of a downer episode today, but I wanted to take a look at the other side of everything going on with the NBA right now. First of all, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, Tuesday, I think. Who knows, man? I got a six-day-old kid. I don't know what day it is. But it's good to be back on the pod. And, uh, again, I'm at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you happen to be stumbling upon this thing for the first time, just quarantined and looking for literally anything at all to listen to, Welcome. I think most of you are probably longtime listeners, so hello. Hello to you all. And what I thought we might do today that's a little bit different is... What do we do if the NBA doesn't come back? Because I think to this point, I've tried to take a pragmatic but also leaning optimistic take on the NBA. Yesterday, we talked about, well, what if the NBA comes back by July 1st? I tried to take a relatively late date, because July's a long way from now. April, May, June, that's three full months away. Yesterday's show, we talked about, well, could the NBA actually play this out if it came back on July 1st? Maybe get the players together to start exercising, limbering up, get some conditioning going by the last week of June, You play your regular season in two locations. Almost like a giant quarantined tournament. You were right into the playoffs and it's done in mid-September. That was yesterday's optimistic look. And in yesterday's optimistic look, I said, look, we're going to get every regular season game in. We're going to give everybody a fair shake. What about the other side of this equation? And there's two different avenues that I want to look at here. One is... We don't get any regular season games, but we do get the playoffs. They are a little bit more attainable. You know, you eliminate 14 of the 30 teams, so you, you minimize the number of people that are involved in it. We talked about yesterday you cut that down from twelve to fourteen hundred down to six or seven hundred. It's truthfully, it, it sounds like a pretty heavy lift. But six or seven hundred people are not that hard to keep track of, especially if you're jammed into, I mean, you could almost do it in one arena at this point, point. one arena, fully sanitized, bleached, top to bottom, basically, and one hotel. But what about, what if this goes the other way? What if we don't get any basketball, regular season or playoffs? What if it all gets canceled? And then also, what if only the regular season gets canceled? we're going to look at this from a reality and from a fantasy standpoint. From a a reality standpoint, well, uh, from a fantasy standpoint, if you cancel the regular season and the playoffs, you go into figure-it-out mode. No regular season, no playoffs. So there's, there's nothing else that you can do in your leagues. Your leagues end... As of the last day of the NBA season, which was partway through March 11th, which, of course, if you had players in the two games that got canceled on that last day, you suffered an even greater defeat in head to head leagues. I think the answer is is fairly straightforward, and I think it's what we talked about uh, a few times earlier on this pod, and I discussed with Josh Lloyd on his show a couple weeks ago, and that is you pretty much just pay anybody that was still eligible to win. So if your playoffs hadn't started yet, that's all the teams that were in. And I would venture to say any teams that had a reasonable chance of getting in. You never know what kind of craziness might take place towards the end of a regular season. But just as a point of example, if you're in a 12 team league and the top six teams go, And the seventh team is like seven games back of the sixth seed. They're not making it. They're not making it. They can argue with you if you're the commissioner, but they're not making it. But if they're like two or three games out, that seventh seed should definitely get paid. So look at your leagues right now. Pause what you're doing because you haven't had any reason to look at your leagues in weeks and find out who was going to make it. I'm in a head-to-head league that the playoffs hadn't started yet. The seven and eight seeds were within three games of making the playoffs. And I know that that kind of stinks. Because that means that eight teams are now splitting the pot. Just from a mathematics standpoint, you only wiped out one-third of the teams in your league. That means that people aren't making much of a profit. Those four teams might have bought in $100 apiece we'll keep the math simple, that $400 basically gets split between everybody, and then they all get their buy-in back. That's not fun. Eight teams into $400, bucks, you get a $50 bonus for all that hard work all season long. It's a big downer, but I don't see any other way to do it. You could try to stagger it, but I think most teams would have a reasonable level for complaint. If you're like, well, first place team's going to get uh 200 second place team's gonna get 190 and just work your way down the chart or you know I guess you'd have to drop like 12 and a half bucks a piece with eight teams but that's a little bit dumb because once you get into the playoffs anything can happen the six seed can win the three seed could win the four the one the two anybody's got a shot all sorts of crazy things happen in the playoffs Guys take rest days. The number one seed in your league might have his top two guys shut down for half a week. So if you're in a head-to-head league, the answer, if there's no games of any kind, regular season or playoffs, is relatively straightforward. You just pay the teams that have a reasonable chance to make it. And that eight seed that I was talking about, they just got real lucky. Because they probably just, they probably should have had to lose their money. But you can make a pretty reasonable argument that a team that's three games out, with a week to go, or half a week to go before their playoffs started, has a shot. It's not a great shot, as everybody's playing each other, and if you want to get into the weeds on it, you can find out who's playing who. Could the teams in front of them actually fall far enough? Odds are, the answer is probably, in a little twisted way, you know, the... the, the Four, five, and six, or five, six, and seven seeds are all losing, and the eight seed is winning, and then they jump a few, and the seven seed, maybe they don't make it. Either way, you could find a way to get them in with one week to go. As mentioned in a nine-category league, if somebody's six or seven games out with a week to go, they're, they're almost definitely not making it because there are just too many things that have to happen especially if they're the 8 seed because then they're jumping another team. So you can find a way to wipe that team out and that'll be a little bit up to your commissioner. So hopefully whoever's commissioning your league is someone that you trust. What about over on the roto side? Well, then things get a little bit more complicated. My current stance, and I don't I don't really see this changing much is to find a way to use averages in your favor. Now, I don't think that everything and this by the way Okay, if you're in a weekly roto league, you basically just have to call it. Whoever's in the lead is in the lead. Because there's no games cap in weekly roto. You should have been accumulating stats all season long to the best of your ability, making your choices every week on which guy is actually going to be the best play for that week. And you roll that all together, you're good. That actually is probably the easiest of any of the leagues right now, is weekly roto with the season ending. No games of any kind. No regular season, no playoffs. It just is what it is. If you're in third place, you got third place. Second place, you got second place. Doesn't matter if your guys were getting healthy or getting hurt. What happens from there doesn't matter. You just end it in the moment. Games cap Roto, so I should have said this 45 seconds ago, that's the one that gets a little murky. You certainly can't reward teams that were misusing the games cap. That's the first thought on a Games Cap Roto. There's a ticker on your, and I'll look at Yahoo here, because that's where most of my leagues are. There's a ticker on your Yahoo team page that shows you how many games you've used at each position and where you're projected to end up. So if you're looking at your team and you're prior to this NBA suspension, your team was pretty much on pace to finish at the correct number of games played, your averages are relatively accurate. There are going to be some teams that forgot to start guys in most leagues, not all of them. In fact, I'm in a Roto League where I, the team that's way out in front used way too many games. So there are some clubs that are like 90 to 120 games in front, and then there are some clubs that are something like 30 or 40 games behind. So the spread between the top and the bottom team in games played, that's the only category I'm looking at right now, is something relatively robust, like 160. And that's hard to reconcile, because you can't say that the team lagging behind was doing something wrong. They had, in their minds, plenty of time to make up the disparity. Right? There were supposed to be five weeks of the season left. They could have picked up added dropped guys, streamed guys, played more of their bench. There were a lot of ways for those teams to actually get up and over the hump. At the the moment, it's pretty easy to just say a percentage of the overall game played and then multiply that by however number of starting slots you have. So most of the teams in the NBA at the time the season was suspended had about 17 or 18 games left. Just a quick glance, and it's not going to be uniform for everybody. For instance, the Lakers were 49 and 14; they had 19 games left. Clippers were 44 and 20; they had 18 games left. Nuggets had 17 games left. So it's not uniform across the board, but basically 17, 18, or 19 are the consensus numbers. I'm sure there are a little there, a, there's a blip here and there that we could find, but I'm not overly concerned about that. So. If you, if you take the average, if you take the middle number there, which is the average of three three the three numbers that are sequential, but for our purposes, the, the averaging was quite simple, and that was 18. If most teams had 18 games left, and you had 18 roster slots, or you had 10 roster slots, you should probably have about 180 games left to utilize. Roughly. Roughly. This is all broad. So look at your leagues... And if you' and if your games cap is at is 820, that number would be more accurate. If your games cap was as a couple of my leagues are, 900, then you'd be using a little more than one game per open roster slot. It's more like uh, I don't know what is it like 1.1. 1. 1. So that one would be more like, well, let's see if you had 18 10 roster slots you go 1.1 1. 1 times 180. Uh, so that's closer to 200. So you should have about 200 games left, give or take. So it, again, it, it's, it's, it's close, and we'll fudge the numbers a little bit. The reason I bring this up is you want to look at the teams in your league and make sure that a lot of clubs are within some percentage points of that expected number of games played as of this moment. So if you're in an 820 games cap league the teams in your league should be somewhere in that 640-650 games played territory. Maybe a little bit ahead of that. Make your adjustments from there as need be. Add an extra 10% if, if you need to, roughly. So those clubs would be in the low 700s. So look at all the teams in your league and find out, hey, are most of these teams within striking distance? of the correct number of games played as of today. And I can look in one of my Roto Leagues and I can say, well, no, actually one of the 12 teams had seemingly given up. And that's okay. It happens in leagues where someone's like, you know what, I'm cooked. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm going to hit the start guys button and I'll just do it for the rest of the year. And if somebody gets hurt on my team, then blah, I'll fall way behind. So that team is some 20% behind and it dead last and not looking to make a move. So the reason I bring this up, and you're like, why are you shaming the last place team in your league? I'm not. What I want you guys to do is to work along with me on this. Look at your leagues, the standings pages, games played, ranking, all that stuff, and see who is actually still competing in your league. Look for the teams that were actually anywhere near the games cap mark. Right now we're focusing on the teams that may have given up and stopped starting their guys effectively. You might have some questionable ones if you're looking at one and you're like, "Well, they're not really starting their guys, but their team is still sort of remotely competitive." Then the in those situations if there's any question at all, then you leave them in the mix. You leave them in the mix if there's any question at all, uh, with some caveats that we'll discuss here shortly. The reason I bring this up is because as you start to look at averages, teams that have used way too few games played to this point can actually have ultra-robust average numbers. Like, think of it this way. If there's a team in your league that stopped setting their lineups... And were basically just starting their top couple of guys. Those teams are going to have the best averages of anybody in the league. Like what if you had only started the 80 uh, you know, we're not going to get to 80 this year, but let me pull up the standing. let me pull up the actual player number so I have it in front of me. Like what if someone in your league had only started uh, Anthony Davis and Kyle Lowry all season long? They wouldn't have any chance to win your Roto League, or any league at all, because you're only starting two guys and you should be rolling ten or more out there. But if you were going by averages, even though those teams had only used up 107 games played, they would win every statistical category. Because they're averaging now something like 22 points per game and two three-pointers a game. And seven and a half, eight rebounds and five assists and a one and a half steals and two and one and a half blocks. Like there's, you get it, right? Those are numbers that on averages would win almost every statistical category. But by totals, not even close. So this is why you have to wipe out the teams at the bottom of the standings, especially if they've given up because their averages are going to screw up the system. Now, what does that mean? Well, you're no longer awarding 12 points per statistical category. If you eliminate one or two teams, then each category changes what the actual Roto points are worth. So first place now is 10 instead of 12 because two teams just got wiped out. Let me use an example from my own league just so you guys understand what I'm talking about. I'm in a Roto League, and I'm not going to call out any names on this one, but there's a team that's sitting in last place that has only used 500 and some odd games played in a 900-games-cap league. Clearly, they've given up. At the same time, the very few handful of games that they're using right now has put them in a pretty good position in free throw percent, three-pointers made, steals, and then turnovers. For whatever reason, turnovers. So the guys that this team is starting are really good three-point shooters, really good at stealing the basketball, and really good at hitting free throws. That screws things up when you look at what points other teams should be awarded when you take averages. If you want to leave them in, by the way, on the percentages stuff, you can. It's just one extra factor to complicate things. I found that it's easiest, as I was running some of these scenarios in my head, if you just pull those teams out of the standings altogether. Because this team that's given up, as I just mentioned, happens to be very good on a per-game basis at getting steals. You know, their team is averaging something like 1.06 steals per game played, which was actually third from the top in this league. But that's taking a lot of teams behind them and pushing them down pegs when those teams would easily pass that team if we made it to the end of the season. Right? Like, there's no way that a team that's left 150 games on the table is going to win any statistical categories. So you pull them out, and you may be sitting there thinking, Dan... What about people that have punted? What if there's a team in your league that's punted a category and they should actually be behind the team that gave up? Well, you just have to grin and bear it. You know what? They're still going to be last place in that category, but instead of the first place team getting 10 or 12, the first place team gets 12. They don't get a bump by pulling that team out. They don't get a bump in that regard is what I'm saying. If they were punting, they were going to be last or very close to last. And so at this point now, you're, you're splitting hairs. So don't worry about that. Take the teams out who are not going to get there, who have no shot of getting to the number of games played and no shot of actually getting into the cash in your league. Pull them out and reassess the averages of everybody's numbers without those team or teams clouding the numbers. I hope that made sense. That was a long-winded explanation. Again, the short version of why we do this is that if a team has given up and they're only playing a couple of their best guys and we're about to do rankings based on average performance in a GamesCab format, their averages are going to be artificially inflated by the fact that they're not playing any of their 5th, 6th, 7th round, 8th, 11th, whatever guys that we all would normally have to do to get up near 820 or 850 or 900 games played or whatever your league happens to be. Okay, we've yanked them out now, and let's say for our hypothetical purposes, that leaves you with 10 teams that are actually quote-unquote giving a crap. They might not be good, but they've been trying. To me, that's all that matters when you're doing these Roto ranks. You can't pull out the teams that have actually been trying and just have a bad team because they might be decent in some categories and really awful in others, and they have a couple of points in those categories. Like, there are some teams in my Roto leagues that are trying. They're not very good, but they're trying. You know, these teams are fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place in a lot of different categories, which means that there are teams trying that are either in front of or behind them. So you can't pull them out because that would also help teams indiscriminately. The only reason we eliminated teams already is because they had artificially inflated averages. These other teams, their averages are correct. So now you take your 10 remaining teams in this hypothetical scenario and you get averages Of every statistical category. Two of the nine are already averages. Field goal percent and free throw percent. Luckily the system has done that for you. All you have to do is recalculate the actual points awarded. After you pull out the teams that had given up. And that's pretty easy to do. You can do it in an Excel spreadsheet. You just plug in everybody's numbers and then you rank them. First place gets 10, last place gets one, blah, blah, blah. Easy. For the other six, uh, seven, rather, statistical categories, you divide the total in that column on your standings sheet by the number of games played that that team has used. If that team has used, hypothetically, 709 games played... <laughs> that's it's way too specific. Why did I pick that number? Because I was looking at a sheet. If that team had used seven hundred of their 820 games played, and they had, uh, I don't know, like 1,050 three-pointers made, that's roughly, actually in this scenario, that's 1.5 three-pointers per game. So their number in that category now is 1.5. It's no longer 1,050. It's 1. 1.5. Because the best we can do at this point is to extrapolate, and, and certainly this method precludes teams from making late season adjustments, which sucks. It actually hurts those of you that follow my method of Roto, of lagging back a couple of games and then kind of readjusting your roster the last two months of the season to try to make pushes in the categories we have the best chance uh, for ROI. Yeah, it hurts us because again, to use another example from a league that I'm in, I have a team in a league that had been sort of floating around in the top four. And about a month and a half ago, I looked at this and I assessed the team and I said, look, if my best chance to win this league is to make a concerted push in field goal percent, because I was something like seventh or eighth from that, but I, I felt like I could make a big move, rebounding and blocks, those categories. So I I readjusted my team about two months ago, to be stacked with extra big men. My utility slots were heavily big men. My small forward slot was usually a guy that had small forward and power forward eligibility. So it was a guy who played a lot of four to try to get more rebounds and blocks and field goal percent. I, I tried to play guards that also had forward eligibility. So it was kind of forwards taking up guard spots. I just To steal a word from the Simpsons, I embiggened my team. I made every slot bigger on the floor to try to increase those categories. And it was working. I had moved from fourth place in averages, because that's how I was looking at it even back then, up into a tie for first place the day the season ended. And I'm looking at the numbers right now. If you gave this team one more week, it likely would have gained another one to two points in rebounds and field goal percent. I mean, I was right on the heels of one other team, two other teams in field goal percent. You give my team one more week, I almost definitely would have had the number 1 in averages. But it doesn't matter. I can't you you me, whoever is commissionering these leagues, we can't we can't predict what would have happened in the next couple of weeks. You can't say, well, this team was on the rise, this team was on the downfall. Things are paused where they're paused. So, you go back to the averages again. That's why this is so critically important. It doesn't matter what you were doing. It doesn't matter where you were moving. And it doesn't matter what your totals were right now. Because in that league I was just talking about, that was one of those leagues where I had purposely lagged about 30 or 40 games behind the pack. So that way, I could use those 30 or 40 games knowing which categories I needed more of. So this method of averaging probably hurts teams like mine that were kind of on the move making our late ROI pushes in Roto Leagues, but it doesn't matter. You take the averages of three-pointers, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and turnovers. You take the averages. And that now is the new number that represents each team's category. So no longer does it matter how many the totals show the day the season ended. I don't care if your team had 1,200 three-pointers in 800 games played, because you may have played 60 or 70 more games than someone else, and if you extrapolate your per-game number to the final total, there are teams that probably would have passed you when you ran out of games played. Think of it this way. We'll make it much more simple. What if you were one three-pointer ahead of a team but you had played five more games than that team. What are the odds in the modern NBA that if you played zero games and another team played five players that they wouldn't pass you in that one three-pointer? And that's why averages are so important because you having utilized an extra game or two should not be the reason that in a games cap format you win the league. It just doesn't make sense. So, to me, that's what I'm doing if no additional games happen in a roto league. I'm creating averages for every team, for every statistical category, and I'm lining them up and I'm ranking them. I'm pulling out the teams that have given up, not the teams that are bad, because you're going to do these averages and you're going to notice that some teams are really bad in certain stuff, but that's not what matters. You're pulling out the teams that have given up, which you can assess pretty easily by looking at their games played. If somebody's a hundred-some-odd games behind everyone else, they've given up. They've stopped paying attention. They're playing weird collections of their best players, most likely, because those are the guys that we all just leave in our roster every day, right? So they're screwing up the averages. You pull those guys out, you recreate your Roto numbers, I mean, you might have three teams that gave up. So then it's one through nine. Every category is worth nine points instead of 12. And that will most likely give you a pretty reasonable final total. Now, this brings us to the next issue. What happens if teams are crazy close when you finish this up? And I'm staring down the barrel at this as well. I, I did this in a couple of my leagues so that I would have something to talk about on today's podcast and we could use examples. In the league that I was just talking about, and I'm certain that if you're the commissioner of your league or your commissioner does what I just talked about, you will end up with some teams that are real tight. And it's damn hard to look at the numbers and post them on a screen and say, okay, look, the top five teams in this league, and this is the league that I'm looking at right now, uh, for top three get profit. And the fourth place team gets its buy-in back. So you certainly want to be in the top three, but if you even manage to get it inside the top four, that's much, much better than being top five. When I ran the numbers for one particular league, the top five teams. Well, the top two teams were actually tied, but they had a pretty big gap between the top two and then three, four, and five were separated by a total of one roto point when I, when I ran the averages. And then there's another big five- or six-point drop-off to get to the sixth, seventh-place teams. So I think in that league, then, you can make a pretty reasonable assessment that, okay, the top five are the teams we're considering right now, and we have to figure out how we want to do it. We are fortunate, when I did, ran this league, that the top two teams were separated by a big chunk from the number three team. So in this particular case, if I ended it today, I would likely take the top two teams and split the top two prizes. The third, fourth, and fifth place teams would likely split the third and fourth place prizes. I don't think it's fair. And I know the third place team is going to be like, hey, wait a minute. I was supposed to make a profit here. And the fourth place team and I don't remember the exact numbers here, when you combine all three of those things, one of them was a zero. It's quite conceivable that all three of those teams actually end up losing money. Like they get some fraction of their buy-in back. I think it comes out to like right around all three of them get their buy-in back. And so the third place team's gonna be like, hey, wait a minute, I came out a point ahead of the fourth place team. Yeah, it's too close. It's too close to make that call. You say, all right, well, Dan, how close is too close? Like, what if, and I'm looking at another league right now where I ran the numbers, and first place had 80 roto points, but then second place, and I'll just read them off from here, it went 65, 65, 63, 63, 60. And then 58. Could you you make an argument that all six of those teams had a shot, you could make the argument, but I I wouldn't buy it. In that particular case, I'm taking spots two through five, and I'm splitting the second, third, and fourth place prizes among those four teams. Because at some point as a commissioner, you just have to make the cut. You just have to make the cut. And I know that team that averaged out to 60 roto points is going to say, but I was only three behind those other guys and there was a two-point drop between them. Yeah, but... I mean, if you really want to get crazy, you could say the second and third place team, because they tied, they split those two, and then the fourth and the fifth place team split one buy-in coming back. But I think as a commissioner, you're, that's going to be a tougher sell. You could go either way. I don't know that... I Okay. That's one spot where I'll say, look, if I'm the commissioner of the league, I'm probably just splitting all four of them because they're all pretty dang close. And it's one of those things where, you know, if we had done this one day earlier, it might have been reversed, or if we had done it one day later, the names might all get flip-flopped. But someone's not probably not gaining three roto points by averages in a single night. So that was where I made that cut. This is the life of the guy who's trying to commissioner like five different leagues. You have a lot of different situations you run into. What if there are playoffs, but not the regular season? I think you treat both the same way. I saved this for close to the end of the show because I I think this is a simple one. I don't think that you combine whatever you're doing right now with playoff fantasy sports. It's not fair. It's not fair to the teams that were in front because you don't know what teams are going to be in. I mean, you do know what teams are going to be in, but you don't know which guys. Half of your roster just disappears. What if your top picks are on teams that didn't make the playoffs? You shouldn't be punished for that because they were never supposed to be... That that wasn't relevant to any of the moves you made throughout the regular season, draft day or... The first 64 games that these teams played. If you want to do a playoff league, I have no problem with that. But I don't think it should be linked in any considerable way to what you guys have going with your full season leagues right now. The other thing that's a little bit goofball here is what about keeper and dynasty leagues? I still think you go by averages... But how do you decide who's eligible? Many keeper leagues have a eligibility requirement. I'm in a keeper league where players had to be on your roster by March 15th to be kept for the following year. So we were still I mean, there's there's a stretch here. But by, by the way, that rule is put in place so that teams that are competing and then, you know, fall out of contention with like five days to go can't just drop their whole roster and pick up a bunch of rookies and hope that some of them hit. I think in those situations you talk to your league and you figure out some way around it. Maybe you just say, look, anybody that was on your roster the day the season ended is eligible because no one had the opportunity. No one saw it coming. Teams might be like, hey, I was about to make a couple moves. Well, you know, you should have made them a little bit sooner. There isn't a whole lot we can do about that. That's just kind of bad luck. Everybody gets screwed a little bit. A couple things that I don't want to do with relation to what we do with our fantasy leagues, I don't want to cancel them. I don't think you have to refund everybody's money. There's ways to make this work. If you have people in your league that demand, like they're sitting in 11th place and they're just like, no, 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 I demand my money back. Tell them to get real. This is why you have to pay before the season starts, by the way. I mean, we don't expect a global contagion, but if you have a reasonable commissioner, they can look at what's going on right now, and they can make pretty reasonable guess. Like, the 11th place team in your head-to-head league has been eliminated from the playoffs. In fact, you might be a week or two into your playoffs already, so not only there are they eliminated, but they haven't done anything in a week and a half. Prior to the suspension, I mean, nobody's done anything in a week and a half now. And if you're in a roto league and somebody's in 11th place, and they're just like, no, no, we didn't see how it would end, get out of here with that nonsense. Ain't nobody in 11th place coming back in their roto leagues right now. There wasn't enough time. You ain't going to do it. You're probably 20 to 30 points back. It's too late. So make sure you have a good commissioner. Tell them to listen to this episode of the podcast, and I think we can get through all of this stuff together. The other thing I don't want to do is pull the plug on Seasons right now. I I hear the arguments for it. I hear them. People want their money now. People don't want to sit on their team for a couple of months. But there's a pretty easy in between. We as a as a society, as as a brain psychologically, we always move to the two extreme points in a discussion, which is make a decision now or wait indefinitely. But there are points in between that. People are like, well, I, you know, if you're in a head-to-head league, people are like, well, we shouldn't get punished because the number of games the teams play per week might get changed. Yeah, but if they decide they're going to play out the entire rest of the regular season and they just jam it in a little bit tighter, all of your guys that had a lot of games are still going to have a lot of games They're just going to have them quicker. There might be a couple of fudges here and there, but I think you can play that through. And same deal with Roto. You'd try to get to your game's format if they're going to play out the rest of the year. Uh, one thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is what if they play a partial schedule the rest of the way. I think if they play a partial regular season schedule, you'd treat it the same way as if they had played no regular season games. If they're like, well, we're going to play two weeks instead of five. That's not enough in your roto league to do anything meaningful, so I think you just go with averages the same way. And in head to head, I suppose you could leave it up to your teams remaining. Like what if you what if you were in your finals already? And maybe the teams are like, screw it, let's just make the finals two and a half weeks. But anything other than that, I think you you pretty much just treat it as though the season ended. Uh and I and everybody's like, well, I don't want to wait indefinitely to make a decision on this. You don't. You know, if we get into mid-May and we still don't know when the NBA is coming back, you can probably just pull the plug at that point. But I really don't see much of a downside to waiting two, three, four more weeks to just get an idea. You know, we we don't really, truly know, as the populace, how this pandemic is going to unfold because so many different states are treating it so many different ways. We've seen that it's damn hard to get sporting leagues fired back up again in other places. So I'm not as hopeful as I might have been in the past, and the fact that so many states have been so slow to implement the distancing measures, where, you know, in California, we're almost two weeks into this thing already. What good is it going to do us, as NBA fans, if one state that has an NBA team waits until the end of April to socially distance while we've been doing it for six and a half weeks, it just delays everything. But I still think there's no real harm in waiting two, three more weeks just to see what happens, to get a better feel for what this arc is going to look like. The players might get so damn stir-crazy, they're just like, fine, we're going to do this. We're going to do the Jay Williams uh, NBA on a boat idea or whatever the hell that was yesterday. So for now, we wait. But if we get to that point where the plug gets pulled, what we talked about today, I think, is how you deal with it in a fair and reasonable way. And especially in Roto, the teams that have been working hard and have the best teams should be rewarded in some capacity. There may be some splitting of pots, but it's going to be a little bit more fair than if you were just like, nope, we're just going to go with the standings right now. So congratulations, team that used 100 extra games. Yeah, we're not doing that. Not in my leagues, and I don't think you should either. And anybody that is a spirit of fairness in their league, I think would agree that you have to level the games played playing field somehow. And to me, what we talked about today is the way to do it. We'll get back into the mock tomorrow. I'm Dan Baspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Hope that was helpful in some capacity while you guys think through your leagues. Enjoy your Tuesday if you can. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. This has been a HoopBall presentation.